we're delighted today to have two special guests with us. John Shifley is going to be sharing in an interview format some of the highlights from his Doctor of Ministry thesis defense that he had on Tuesday. Uh, John will be in the midst of defending his thesis and sharing with us today. He, in his final preparations, he got word that his uh, father-in-law died, and so he's flying out earlier than anticipated, and will actually be leaving our service before the end of the service so that he can make his rearranged flights uh, in Halifax to get back to Alberta for the service tomorrow, which he'll be participating in. So we welcome John and look forward to uh, sharing. We also have with us another special guest, Stacy Campbell, who's uh, the Executive Director and CEO of Prison Fellowship Canada. For those of you who are interested in prison ministry, uh, Stacy will be joining us for lunch and then meeting with some of our uh, faculty this afternoon for discussions around prison ministry and the Doctor of Ministry uh, program here. And so Stacy graduated in 2013 with a Master of Divinity from Tyndale in missional leadership, and she is very involved in ministries of reconciliation, justice, restoration, and religion. So we're delighted to have her here. So we encourage you to connect with Stacy. Um, maybe you can just wave Stacy. So if people want to find you over lunch, uh, you can connect with her and continue the conversation. And we hope that in the future we'll have an opportunity uh, to have Stacy share with us in chapel as well. When Jesus was considering uh, the wilderness time that he experienced and facing the testing that he did. One of the passages that he quoted from was Deuteronomy chapter 8, and so I want to read a few verses from that this morning to set the context for our conversation that we'll have. God's word to us from Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. This entire commandment that I command you today, you must diligently observe so that you may live and increase and go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing whether or not you would keep his commandments. Testing you to know what was in your heart. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, which, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that the one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The clothes on your back did not wear out, and your feet did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a parent disciplines a child, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Therefore, keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with flowing streams, with springs and underground waters welling up in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land where you may eat bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are from iron and from whose hills you may mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when you're 
flocks and herds have multiplied, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, an arid wasteland, With poisonous snakes and scorpions, he made water flow for you from flint rock and fed you in the wilderness with manna that you and your ancestors did not know to humble you and to test you and in the end to do you good. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. May God give us understanding of his word today. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would guide our conversation and grant safety on the journey for John as he returns to be with his family in this time of grief and looking to you for hope and strength as they reflect on the life and legacy of his father-in-law. Guide our reflections, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. John, I've had the opportunity to journey with you probably around two years now over this uh, doctor ministry thesis process. Um, why don't you tell people a bit about your where you have been serving and where you are, are currently serving in terms of pastoral ministry? I, um, <clears throat> as John said, I'm from Southern Alberta. I, uh, I served for about 27 years in a Victory Church in uh, Southern Alberta. I grew up in an evangelical free church. And God pushed us into a little different kind of stream than I was used to. And I served there for quite a few years. And now we are serving at Bethel Evangelical Missionary Church in uh, Anna, Alberta. And um, it's a little bit of my background. Thank you. Now tell us a little bit. You've um, got a 200-page document that you defended on Tuesday. We won't get the full 200 pages. But uh, a few highlights around lessons around... Your title is Spiritual Formation in Desert Terrain. Some of the lessons that have been most meaningful to you on the journey. The, the song you guys sang, the first one. Um, Blessed Be Your Name. That song brings up poignant memories for me because about 10, 12 years ago, I did a funeral for a young man who was 21 years old. He died as a result of a car accident. Uh, him and his fiancée were returning home, and she went off the road. He was in the mountains of B.C. And the, this young man was a, a dedicated, committed Christian young man, uh, involved in youth ministry in uh, Cranbrook, British Columbia. Um, not formally in a church, but a whole network of kids. There was about 600 people at the funeral. A lot of them in their teens and twenties, and, and they sang that song. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away. And I'm looking at this whole crowd, and, and it was poignant because the reality is that as we journey through our Christian lives, we are going to have those times that we would just like to stay there. They're wonderful. 
are there are these other times. And the years that have followed since that funeral, his sisters and his mom and dad have struggled deeply. And they were, they had come up to Three Hills to go to a Christian school there. And when they returned, they were deeply involved in their church and whatnot. And after this event, all the questions, is God really good? How does this work? Uh, in the, the devastation of, of what happened. Now, our spiritual journeys aren't just wildernesses, brothers and sisters. Far from that. But one of the things that I've observed over the years, both in my own life and in the lives of many of God's people, all of God's people for that matter, is there are times that we do experience wildernesses. Times where it's hard, it's dry, it's painful. We experience suffering. And I've lived long enough to know that this is an aspect of the spiritual life that many times we, particularly in the West, struggle with. Because life isn't supposed to be like this. At least of all the Christian life. I mean, we signed up to uh, clappy, 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 you know. I'm, I'm moving on the upward way. Life's, you know, getting better every day. That's not quite the way that it is. But some of you guys know, know it, and you worship people know it. And, and, and so it's an aspect of, of our spiritual journey that has raised questions in my own mind. And as I've looked at the, the journeys of God's people, and some are transformed in very positive ways by these times. Others, I mean, if you don't know now, you will find out that these times do not turn out well. And so, I ran into a crisis in my own church where I had people that began doing things and engaging in things that I thought, Lord, I've taught these people carefully um, your word, the principles <coughs> of your word. And one of the things that happened was I had a worship leader, um, a gifted worship leader, who was struggling at a number of things in her life. And my assistant, who was also a worship leader, said to me, John, we really need to help her. And I said to him, no, she's called to be a worship leader. She needs to go through that formation process. You know what he heard me to say? I don't care. That wasn't what I was saying. But it reflects this deep-seated idea amongst many of our people in the Western Church that spiritual formation isn't like this. It's supposed to be nice. It's supposed to be comfortable. It's supposed to be stress-free. Now, brothers and sisters, I wish it was that way. <laughs> but, but it isn't that way. And, and we know that um, in the natural realm, anyone who is engaged in um, elite kinds of performance activities, 
whether it be in sports, whether it be in music, whatever it is, they're going to go through a training program that stretches them. It's going to test them. It's going to push them. And somehow within some expressions of the church, certainly where I come from, we seem to have forgotten that the Holy Spirit knows this very well. And so he brings his people into these times. And, and then if, if we don't have an understanding of what's the purpose here, it can make it difficult for us to walk with people as they go through those times in their journey. Now, I, I love the, the passage that uh, Dr. John read. You'll notice he talks about wilderness times, but he concludes with that phrase right near the end, so I can do you good in the end. The purpose of the wilderness is not to destroy us, but it's to challenge us. Um, my experience when I am under heat and pressure and pain is that it generally brings all the junk to the surface. Does, does anybody identify with that? And sometimes I'm absolutely horrified. Lord, I, I didn't know that was there. <laughs> but he did. And, and in these kinds of circumstances, we can no longer manage our junk. You know, it, it, it hurts too much. But the wilderness isn't just about exposing our junk. It's to create conditions where God can graciously deal with our junk. And replace that with other things. Because when the children of Israel left Egypt... They thought like slaves. They felt like slaves. They, they believed like slaves. But to possess the blessings that God had for them, they had to get that stuff out of them and the kingdom life into them. The wilderness is about transformation. Now, it's very interesting to me that repeatedly as you look through those passages, that the issue of God's holiness comes up. And... God wanted to transform their lives so that they could be holy, so they could experience this, this new life that he had for them. Unfortunately, and, and even my examiners picked this up, that we can equate holiness with legalism. I kept all the rules. I did it all right. That's not what holiness is all about. And if you look at... at at God's revelation to Moses, Moses said, God, show me your glory. And if you go through that, particularly you theology students, do that, look up the, the Hebrew words and what they mean. When I did this carefully, I was stunned because God didn't show Moses so much of his um, grandeur in that sense, he, or his greatness, he showed him his grace. Uh, he showed him his goodness. He, he showed him, um, he, he held his hand over Moses and as he passed before him, he declared his name and he declared his mercy and his loving kindness, hesed, his covenant loyalty. And so as I looked at this, I thought, God, this is amazing. It's no wonder Moses loved you. It's, it's no wonder he wanted to be in your presence. Because, yes, Holiness, and if, if you do a theological uh, study on the word and stuff, there's, there's, there's two aspects that come up. It, it has to do with belonging to a God, or uh, what belongs to God is, is sanctified, it's holy. 
but it, it also has these moral overtones. But the overtones that really is stressed, both in the Old Testament and then again in the New Testament, is the goodness of God, the graciousness of God, the loving kindness of God. And so the wilderness is one of the steps or seasons in our spiritual journey where God can challenge us, he can expose us, but he can transform us. And so the transformation allows us to then enjoy God's presence, enjoy his creation. And as the Shorter Catechism says, the purpose of sanctification is to enable us to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And when we get to understand His heart and His nature, it's a delight. The goodness of God is an absolute delight. Well, I don't know if that answered the question, but it's great. It gives you an idea of what this was about. Part of my role is to get you to the plane on time, so uh, we're just going to ask one more question. Okay. <laughs> um, it's so easy to be like Job's friends and yes. try to explain why someone's struggling. And they really were, they got it right when they sat with Job in the midst of the suffering and the struggle. When they tried to explain it all, God actually got quite annoyed with them. Um, so in the midst of, if uh, someone is accompanying someone, journeying with someone in the midst of a dry time, a difficult time, a desert time, what have you learned about how to sort of come alongside in that graciousness uh, that you talk about? I, I think we just need to be, avoid being Job's friends, for one thing. Um, I, I think we need to be very, very cautious. Um, sometimes our desert times are because of things that we've done. There's no question about that. And there are other times God allows them, leads us into uh, whatever verb we might want to attach. And, and how do you actually determine that, really? Um, but I believe Paul gives us some insight. When he and his team was in Corinth, they went through a very difficult time. And um, I think he was in Asia through a difficult time. And he, he mentioned this in uh, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And he talks about, in chapter 1, how they were under this enormous stress, this incredible pressure. And they despaired even for life. But God comforted them. Of all the words he could use, that's an interesting one. In their desert experience, God comforted them, encouraged them, helped them, built them up. And, and then he says, he does that for us, not just for our sake, but so we can do the same thing for others. And I think walking through the, with people through the wilderness is a, is a special, it's a holy time. Um, but if we can remember that verb, comfort, and you know the, the nuances of it. I think that that will help us to um, minister the life of God as God does, because that's what he said, the Holy Spirit ministered to us. Now, this sister that works with prisoners, uh, you could talk to her after 
about what that looks like in practical terms, because I think that that would relate to what you're talking about, doesn't it? Comfort or comfort my people. <laughs> exactly. So. Well, John, we wish you could stay and join us for lunch. I know you have to fly, uh, literally and figuratively. So uh, blessings as you go. Thank and you. And thank you for raising things for us to think about as we continue to worship God together. Bless you guys. Okay. Bless Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you.